I love talking about the cutting edge, bleeding edge of everything that we're doing. But outside of the accounting world, this is all old news to mm-hmm. a lot of industries. Mm-hmm. We're, we're severely lacking. Yeah. Why do you think that accountants are so far behind, I guess, in some of the change curves that we see? Because we're taught to avoid risk. Like that's that's our job is to mitigate risk, right? right? Or, I mean, probably the only other industry that could be worse is lawyers, right? I oh, mean, yeah. it's ingrained in us to avoid risk, which, how do you avoid risk? You avoid change, right? Change is risky. May I have your attention, please? Greetings, Accounting High. FreshBooks recently hit the road to meet up with some amazing people in the accounting industry in four awesome locations. At each location, Accounting High's wrapping custodian got to sit down and chat a little with some really cool people. At the end of November, we headed north to the home of FreshBooks in Toronto, Ontario, Canada and sat down with Andrew Wall. If you joined any of these in-person meetups with the FreshBooks team, we really hope that you had a blast. And if you had severe FOMO, well, keep a lookout on the team at FreshBooks because you may get another opportunity to meet up in 2023. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session on the road. I repeat, may I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scott Scarano and Andrew Wall. We're going to have a problem here. Woohoo! <laughs> Class is in session. This is a this is a special in-person interview. We don't have too many of these. We are in Toronto right now, Andrew's home base. We're here for Account Techs. We're here for Fresh Books. They had a partner meetup. And now we're recording in my Airbnb on the 34th floor at 300 Front Street outside of the venue of Account Techs. Andrew, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, Scott. And, and welcome back to our city. I know you've been here uh, at least once before. I know that much. Uh, so you've enjoying the city so far? I've been loving it. I got stuck in customs oh, no. for about three hours, not for anything that I did wrong, except for the fact that I was, I didn't know if I was here for personal or business when they asked, <laughs> I said, they said, are you here for personal? Are you here for business? I said, I don't know, I guess both. And he was like, what? I said, I mean, I'm going to accounting conference, but I'm not like getting paid. He's like, he put a Z on there, whatever they do. And then they sent me in that room. I was stuck in there for three hours. It was terrible. Yeah. Kelly Parks told me the tip. Whenever you're ever crossing the border, the answer is always visiting friends. If you want to get through customs as quick and as easy as possible, the answer is always visiting friends. The minute you mention a conference or anything else, and particularly for us Canadians going into the U.S., uh, the U.S. is really strict about us going down to conferences. Like if we're getting paid or comped in any way, shape, or form, we potentially need uh, a visa to be able to do that. Wow. And that's that's basically kind of what happened with me this time because I was like, I'm visiting friends. And he said, where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know. This isn't a hotel. This isn't like a – and I didn't know where the venue was or anything. And yeah. so I was like, I, what are you going to do? 
I don't know, go to a conference. And that was it. Uh, I think that was it. But that's, um, yeah, I mean, you got to you gotta travel prepared. I'm sitting there listening to something on my headphones. I wasn't really paying attention. So it was my fault to begin with. So I'm, well, I'm going to take the blame for that. And, and our airport is notoriously bad for lineups after lineups after lineups. It, you're not moving through uh, our YYZ, our airport, anytime quickly, no matter what you're doing, even if you are well prepared, unfortunately. They had groups of lineups. Yeah, they, they had a bulk of, of students coming from New Delhi in one <laughs> like area. And that made the line really long. Yeah. And then there were just, it was, it was full. So enough there, of, enough of that. There's yeah. an art to traveling and that's a whole nother episode. Ooh, the art of traveling. That does sound like a great episode. Um, this is going to be the art of Andrew today. <laughs> yeah. I, I've used art in the title before that was Ron Baker's episode. So maybe we can see how we can fit that into this one. The chaos. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's more aligned with my brand. I'm, I'm a little bit of chaos. Ooh, for sure. the chaos, the wall. I just think when I think of you, I think of the Pink Floyd. I just think of the wall. Yeah. If we can play that music while <laughs> in post-production, we put some, some, something from Pink Floyd in here, I'm sure. Um, my editor's been killing it with a lot of the the inserts and, and the different sound effects and stuff that he's doing. He's having fun with it. So shout out to Ian uh, for the editing. And uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to... We're gonna just dive right into it. If we're gonna take a little break and get some coffee, um, we're, we're only five minutes in, right? Four twenty in. Four twenty. So maybe, I, maybe. Four twenty is the yet. sign that it's time for a break. Right? Yeah, it might be. It might be time for a little break. I can press pause and we'll uh, we'll really dive into it and go deep. Yeah, I'm happy to follow your lead. Whatever you like, brother. All right, dope. Two hours later. So, Andrew, tell me how you got into this whole accounting thing. You can go as far back as high school or even before that, but considering we're at accounting high. <laughs> you know, I started in high school. In high school, I was like a D failing student with like no drive, no ambition, and a penchant for marijuana. Um, so, you know, I hadn't found my passion or my drive yet, and I was just sort of fumbling through. I actually uh, barely made it into to university, and I, it was, I was almost kicked out of high school, got... Uh, kicked out of one high school, went over to another one, which I ended up working out really well for me. How'd you get kicked out? Was it grades? I told the teacher to off. Okay. <laughs> I actually had that happen to me and I got suspended. Um, I, yeah, but continue. I'd mine was, <laughs> mine was my law teacher. So it was probably not the right teacher to choose to have an argument with. Um, that got you kicked out of school though. Well, right. it was that on top of like I, I'd had a whole bunch of absences. I, I was I was in an inner city school, so we just like skip school and go down to the arcades and the pool halls and down to the Eaton Center and hang out. And like I had I had no ambition to do school, no drive, no passion. Right, so I was just bumming it around, and uh, I, I somehow managed to get my act together. I went over to the semestered school. Um, you know, back then we had this thing called OAC, which they've gotten rid of. It was your final year. And as long as you did well in those last six credits, you were good. So I managed to get like a, you know, an, uh, an A, low A average in my final year when I sort of said, okay, I know, I know I got to do something. Got into university. So I took sociology just because I didn't really know what I was going to do. And sociology, was, I love that. <laughs> sociology, is, it's, it's actually, I did really enjoy it. In fact, now my mom's boyfriend is like one of the most renowned professors of sociology in Canada. And I do have a lot of respect for sociology, but I didn't take sociology because I had a respect for it. I took sociology because the guy to girl ratio was good, ah, okay, <laughs> uh, okay, which okay. is the wrong reason. But ultimately, a lot of the things I learned around sociology, 
you know, impact a lot of things like around social media, around community, around connecting with people. Sociology plays a, a big impact on that. But when I graduated, you know, my stepmother affectionately re- referred to my BA as a, a bugger all because not, <laughs> not a lot of jobs you can do with a sociology degree, right? So I went back and I actually went to a technical college and I learned, I actually got a diploma in e-commerce and technology where I learned uh, Oracle, PLSQL, Java, program, programming sort of logic. And I, I actually went back and I'd done some work with my dad's accounting firm, summer jobs type of thing. You know, I think my first job was, as I said, I had a semester in school. So I finished six months early because um, I just basically just did my my course load all in the first six months, hammered it out, got it out, finished six months early, and then went to work for him for the last six months of the year. And I did my first T4s, which is sort of like your W2s, sure. right? And um, started working with him in the family business. And we'd always, you know, in a family business, it was always the topic of conversation, right? You know, lots of talk about business and accounting and all that fun stuff. But the technology side got me into it because my dad had this vision for an online accounting application where you could basically just fill in information in a form and then it would generate debits and credits for you in the back end. Um, And so I started building that for him, which at the time... What year was this? This was 1999. So this is is like pre-QBO, pre-Zero. And it was back when we used to call it SaaS, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, you know, it was... A lot of people still call st- it SaaS. Still, still call it SaaS, yeah. But yeah. now it's cloud is a more mm-hmm. popular term. Um, and um, it, was, it was a revolutionary idea, but we were doing it with a really finite budget. And, you know, we spent a number of years building that out. And I really thought I was like ahead of my game. I knew technology, I knew accounting, I was doing all this cool stuff. And I thought we were really leading edge. And we we really struggled with the sales and marketing of it. You know, what we, we built this application out for ourselves, but when we went out to try and sell it to other accounting firms, we realized that every accounting firm does their process slightly different and they all want it done differently. And this was like back in the day of like waterfall, waterfall development as opposed to agile development, which is some methodologies when it comes to software development. And that ultimately meant like if we wanted to change something in the product, we had to like go back and do a whole bunch of development work that would take potentially months to do. And it was literally like me and two other programmers building out this application. So it just, it just wasn't really viable. And in the process of trying to sell this and trying to get it off the ground, we had this thing that was working within our own practice and it was functional. I went to a wave social networking event where I met Ryan Lozanish and, and Josh Swig, who were really Josh Swig of Live CA. Of Live CA, yeah. yeah. And and those guys were basically just giving my head a shake and said, like, you don't know what the f- you're talking about about technology. Like you have been leapfrogged. And that started this sort of um battle between me and my dad where I was like, dude, I know we've spent a million dollars developing this software, but you got thrown in the garbage. <sighs> right. And, and so that's the, there's a technology like the leap, right. And anybody that invested, cause I just had this conversation with somebody recently too, of, of like investing in infrastructure at their firm and investing in servers and all that server-based technology. And then all of a sudden you don't need it. Yeah. And it's the sunk cost fallacy, how right? Do you, how, do you, how do you reconcile that sunk cost, especially in those days? Like, I, I, I definitely feel for you for, like, being gung-ho and then, and your dad, too. Like, what do you guys do at that stage? 
well, we, we battled back and forth for a little while. And I ultimately had to say, you know what, dad, this is your business, your, your product, you spent the money, you know, you can do with it what you want, but I see the vision is going in this direction. So I left, I started my own practice and it, it, it somewhat took off. I got a lot of notoriety because I was one of the early people in the community. Um, like really like back in the day and I was on zero first before I was on QBO and I was like one of like five firms in Canada, you know, doing this sort of cloud-based technology. What year was this? This was like maybe I'm trying to think. So it was probably around 2005, something like that. Would it be that early? No, 12 would be zero. 12, 12, maybe. I I don't. To be a little earlier. Yeah, I don't remember. I have to go back and because zero does give you that thing where you can see when you first became a member. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to go back. We'll we'll put this in post and I'll give you the the date I started. It's all good. I'm just kind of getting getting a lay of the land here because we we went from 99 to then zero. Yeah. So it was probably more than five years. It was probably like 10 or 12 years you're probably right it's amazing how time flies doesn't it yeah but uh you know started doing all this stuff with with qbo watching the practice grow getting a lot of airtime within qbo on stage and you know doing a lot of public speaking and building my community and um uh sorry about that guys and my dad started to see the vision he started to see that there was something to what I was saying, right? And I actually got him up on stage at a, a, a QuickBooks Thrive, which was sort of like the Canadian version of QuickBooks Connect, where we talked a little bit about our, our journey and what we'd gone through. And we had a, another community member who was sort of helping us to bridge uh, our raging agreements, as we would say back in the day. Mm-hmm. Ultimately got my dad back on board, went back to his firm. And, and that's sort of where I am now is I've taken over his practice which is very, very different from building your own practice, right? Like, oh God, yeah. You know, when you're just a one-man shop and you can drive the direction in any direction you want, it's so easy to pivot. When you're trying to manage a team of 20 people and bring them along your journey, there's a whole process involved in doing that. And like now my day-to-day is really about, you know, it's, it's about managing, you know, the three things, which is the people, the processes, and the technology. And, you know, it's amazing how much of that time goes into the people. So... I want to go back to the whole lack of drive and floundering around in the sociology world and Mm -hmm. then tech. Did you have in the back of your mind accounting this whole time? Because you are the son of a, uh, of an accountant. Like was your dad a CPA? Yeah. My dad's a CPA. And it's funny. He had pushed. So we were sons of CPA. You know this. Yeah. So you you technically (laughs) would have been a shoe in for our prior brand. Yeah. And my dad had always pushed really hard. He really wanted me to do the CPA. And I was like, I'm one of those guys, the harder you push me, the less I'm interested in doing it. So I had no interest whatsoever. It was only everything, but everything, but, and, and it was the technology side that got me into it because I always have loved technology. Anyone who knows me knows I love my gear. I love my gadget. I love my technology and getting into the programming side of it, which sort of gels really well with the way my mind works. I'm sometimes better with technology than I am with people, but I, I, getting into that side of it and then coming in and programming out the processes and learning about the business and getting involved in it and learning that it was, there was such an interesting component to the business is what drove me into the accounting. And then I ultimately went back to get my third degree in accounting because sociology, I didn't have all the credits I needed to get my CPA, right? So I had to go back to school again. So I'm a lifelong learner, um, you know, uh, which is definitely something that I've always which is also ironic because in high school you didn't care about the learning at all. Exactly. But it's only once you start like my, 
I grew up a lot, right? In high sure. school, you know, you're so immature. You think you're so smart. You think you're so... <laughs> the peak uh, of Mount Stupid. The peak of Mount Stupid. Absolutely. And, you know, it was when I grew up and I realized how important learning is and how much I enjoy it, right? Because also in, in high school, I, th I think you're pushed down these paths that you don't get the opportunity to follow what you like. Everything is, they're telling you what you need to do. And if you're like you're the type of person who you tell me what to do. I'm going to do the opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you, that, that, that was me in high school. All I did was just get the grades. Yeah. So I was similar. I smoked a lot of weed, but I also had to get the straight A's. Like I was very driven to have that perfect record. Right. So something that I, I, just, yeah, I, I was never that, driven yeah. for the, the, the straight A's. I was like, bare minimum, get me through. And it's, it's funny. Like once, once I found that passion, that's when I started getting those straight A's, right? Like I, I graduated with distinction from the ITI. I was like the top three people in the program because I enjoyed it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing what you love and you get to choose what you're doing. You mm -hmm. get a choice and you're not, it's not forced upon you. It's not this curriculum yeah. that you have to meet. We're going to redefine high school at this accounting high and yeah. make people <laughs> want to learn more about accounting, right? This is all about the next generation of accountants and, mm -hmm. and you were pioneering that ship. You've, you've set the stage, especially in Canada, along with a lot of the other early adopters, you know, you're, you've got a pretty big following on all of the social platforms because you were one of the first ones on all these social Mr. Sociology. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So this is, um, yeah, this is social studies or sociology that we're going to, we're going to go through here. So you, you were very well connected in the communities and bridged the whole historical era of accounting and the current era that we're still early, early stages on. I mm -hmm. mean, all things considered in the change curve, we haven't gotten to the middle of that yet. The no, whole there, there's more technology evolving every single day. And like I've even just in the last couple of months found new pieces of technology that I think are going to really revolutionize what happens to the industry. Like when I found the cloud, I was like, this is, this is game changer. Like this is, this is revolutionary. And I feel right now that I've stumbled into new, new technology. That's just as revolutionary as where I saw cloud was back in that early, like whether, whatever, wherever it was 2015 or whatever, whatever that starting date was, I think, you know, with what we're seeing in RPA now, this is like those early days for RPA, just like I was in the early days for cloud. Put a pin in that. I want to talk about that soon too, as we, as we get into the future and, and the, the present. So mm -hmm. early early days, the whole accounting, you were, again, I, I can relate to a lot of this on so many levels because my grandfather was building out a software company within his CPA firm. Right. And that's why I went into accounting because I looked up to my grandfather. He was a CPA. I want to, I want to be an accountant. And he was building out an idea. Like it was DOS based yep. <laughs> GL for nonprofits. Cause they're not their CPA firm focused mo mainly on nonprofits. So right. let's build out a software arm. And this was like in the eighties, nineties. And my dad took over that software company and they put it in the cloud, started doing that in early, early two thousands or mid two thousands. They start, well, whenever cloud started see mm -hmm. all these dates are time is relative. Yeah. Right? We're all, we don't, everything blends together. <laughs> yeah. So, but the bridging that tech and tax, cause I like my alliteration, but bridging the tech and the accounting is something that always interests me too. And that's partly why I do this podcast, partly why I love talking about the future or love talking about the cutting edge, bleeding edge of everything that we're doing. But outside of the accounting world, this is all old news to mm -hmm. a lot of industries. Mm -hmm. We're we're severely lacking. Yeah. Why do you think that accountants are so far behind, I guess, in some of the change curves that we see? Because we're taught to avoid risk. 
Like that's that's our job is to mitigate risk, right? right? Or, I mean, probably the only other industry that could be worse is lawyers, right? I oh, mean, yeah. it's ingrained in us to avoid risk. Which, how do you avoid risk? You avoid change, right? Change is risky. It 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 brings with it inherent challenges, and it's not easy, and and it's scary, right? And yeah. and, I, and I think there's a million and one reasons why you don't need to make this change, but there's a million and ten reasons as to why you should, right? And it's just making that commitment to overcoming your fear, rolling the dice and being prepared to roll the dice. Because when you when you make a change and you try out a new piece of technology, it might not work out, right? And, you know, my dad always had this famous saying about baseball. And he's like, look at the batting average of the most successful baseball players, right? Like, you're not expected to hit it out of the park 100% of the time, right? If you're hitting three, four out of 10, you're doing great. Right, but you gotta be taking swings at the ball. If you're not taking a swing at the ball, you're never gonna hit it out of the park. I love that. Yeah. If you're not, yeah, and the same thing with hockey. I mean, mm-hmm. we're up in we're up in hockey town. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's shots at the goal. Shots at the goal. You're not gonna score if you don't take shots at yeah. the goal. You gotta right? take it apart and put it to the back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> so, get, getting into that too. Were you ever like? Were you into sports or any kind of team activities? So I, I was always into playing sports, and I played rugby. Uh, I was on the baseball team. I was on the swim team. I was on the basketball team. So I was always um, into playing sports. I'm one of those weird guys that's not really into watching sports. Uh-huh. And I think that's because I grew up with two sisters who adamantly controlled the remote control when I was a kid. Okay. So I watched a lot of Oprah, a lot of, a lot of Donahue. Okay. Um, and I never really got into to sports, which, cause the thing is too, is like, I could see sports. I, I totally get how like my brothers and you know, a lot of the guys, how much time and energy goes into like following sports, you know, looking at the stats, analyzing that. I think it's a lot of wasted time and energy unless you're actively making money on it then what is what's the point? <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? And 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 that's why like also like I haven't really gotten into it as an adult even though I I enjoy like I went down to a Leafs game the other day and it's great to watch but like I I don't have the time in my schedule to d- devote to being the types of sports fans that like for example my brothers are. Yeah. Well, it it's interesting too because you ended up doing things that were similar to what you were watching and what you were paying attention to. You're like the Oprah of, um, <laughs> I mean, you had a show that you would like do every Friday, yeah. uh, you know, that, so let's also like get into that too, because I think, um, again, like the, you kind of evolve and what your interests are, but we always, we're always the same person. Like mm-hmm. we, whoever we, we were as a kid, I think that's, we're still that same person. People don't like, we're talking about change too, right? Yeah. People don't really change. You can change how you react to things and how you approach situations and, and change your mindset on different things. Our, you know, our lives change, our surroundings change, but inside, you know, your core, your core, like you're, you're never really going to change. So whatever you were interested in when you were a kid, you end up, if you eventually find your passion and find what you really love, you realize it was never it was always the same. It was always there. So you just are, discovered it. Are you currently fulfilling your purpose? Then have you have you had that epiphany where you're doing what you should be doing? Not right now. I, I think I'm in a, I'm in a very much in a transitionary stage right now, 
And, you know, I look up to what you've done within your business where you've been able to step away from managing the practice. Mm-hmm. I'm still very much heavily involved in the day-to-day operations of the practice. And, and that's sort of definitely my long-term vision is getting away from that. And that's why I'm looking in towards more technology to enable me to step back, right? That's, that's the vision and the objective. I want a system or a business that's on autopilot that I can check into and keep the workload light. And I'm not there yet, right? Well, let me say that it's not the technology that's going to get you there. You can look into the technology to help. But it's the people? It's the people. Mm -hmm. It is the people that you put in place and the processes. The technology comes third in that statement, the PPT. Yeah. The people always come first in that. And when you have the right people doing the right things, that's when you can step away. But you have to trust those people too. Mm-hmm. And you have to put a lot of, you have to let go of any kind of control that you want to have because the less control you have over it, the better everybody's going to be. The only mm-hmm. control you could have is how you set up the systems and the processes. Yeah. And once these, once those are set up and once you know, people are following them, you got to step back. That's, that's the hardest lesson I learned along the way. And once I finally learned that I was free, right? free from myself. I always mm-hmm. got in the way. And how do you come back and, and, and reevaluate those processes, right? Because we know one of the things, the worst thing that you can do is just set a process and forget it and not come back in and reevaluate that that process needs to evolve. That's a great question because I don't think I'm good at that at all. Whenever I go back in to try and do something, I've, I'm too far removed at this point that I can't even go back and fix a process because you don't know it. I don't, I don't really remember it anymore. I don't know what we could be doing new. I'm too mm-hmm. way too far removed. So I got to figure out what that balance is to pay attention to the firm again, too, because I've just been paying attention to this podcast and right. everything else that I'm trying to grow. You know, I'm, I'm trying to sit here and do two things at once and I can't. So I've let the firm go. I've neglected it and it's been better for them because of it. But I'll bet that there's a hell of a lot of stuff that I can go in there and tinker with and fix. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get consumed by that again. And so, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I think there's there's certain systems and things that we're doing. So right now I'm only spending a good, maybe three or four hours a week on the firm stuff. And that's just communications and team meetings with my management team. So just yeah. two guys that I meet with, you know, we have our L10, we do EOS, we do our L10 yeah. meetings on Mondays. And then I have 20 minute standups throughout the week. And then I have a one hour meeting with my COO and we just talk about operations type stuff. We just stay on the same page, right? right? So honestly, I'm just there for vision right now and just yeah. for... So you're the visionary, he's the integrator. He is, yeah. And that's been working out for us for this whole past couple of years since I stepped away, but this ain't about me. I'm just like <laughs> trying to mentor you a little bit here too and, well, and help, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and EOS, I'm a big fan of that. And it's, you know, I've tried to take bits and pieces of that and bring that into our, our business. One of the things that, that we have done, and this is, again, value that my dad instilled in me around process, is we're actually ISO 9001 registered firm. I don't know if you know what that. What does that mean? So ISO is it's actually a manufacturing certification. But what it is is you have to have documented systems and processes and job descriptions and workflows, and you get externally audited every year. And the auditor, like I think that the concept is great, but because it's an external auditor who not, knows nothing about accounting, they're just basically making sure that we have processes in place to constantly review our processes, and, and they call it can I, constant never-ending improvement. You've got to always be looking at your processes to improve them. But they don't know anything about accounting. I mean, one of the things I think that there's, this is 
this is where I think the, the future of the industry needs to go is like, we need those external auditors within the accounting industry who know like, you know, like the Ryan Lazanis mm -hmm. to come in and, and do an audit on your firm and be like, yeah, you're firing all, on all cylinders or you know what, this, this process that you got here could use some, some tweaks and some improvements. Right. And I don't know if Ryan's the guy, but like someone who's still actively involved in, in, in industry and practice who could come in and just audit your firm and say, Hey, I know you're, you're, you're running this four hour work week and this business is flying on all cylinders, but let's maybe take a look at the processes and see if there's things that have evolved since you last looked at it. Oh, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I think our hiring process needs to be reevaluated. And I learned that from Lizanis <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lizanis did a session yesterday on hiring great team members and attracting great talent mm -hmm. and it's a sales process basically that, yeah. and I, we don't have any process for attracting talent right yeah. now. So that's one that I want to actually create a, a process for. We used to have one, but again, back to, back to, back to, <laughs> back to build. And so your firm, you have get, set the stage for me for the size of your firm. So the numbers we usually go over is top line yeah. head count and take home yeah. and some other stuff in between, but that's basically it. So what's your, Give me, give me some of the numbers. So uh, we're about 20 people. We're about 1.7, 1.8 in revenue and top line. Bottom line can flow anywhere from 200,000, which is like my, that's my bare minimum. That's mm -hmm. what goes to my like paycheck mm -hmm. that I take out before profits. But we're probably closer to, you know, including, so part of it is I'm paying, I'm buying the practice from my dad. So I have to take, I have to pay him back out of the profits. And well, that doesn't count for take home. Yeah. Well, it's, it's profit of the firm. I don't take it home because it's profit to me, but I'm using it to pay for the practice. If that oh, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But if you, so use it as if you didn't have to make that payment. Yeah. So yeah. It, I'd say it's between pr probably three fifty ish, probably in that's that dope. range. Yeah. yeah. That's very respectable. It's actually like, you know, most people aren't that open to go into those numbers. And that's why I like, I like talking with you because yeah. you'll, you'll talk about anything. And that's, that's tr the yeah, transparency no. that I think sets the stage. So, you know, you're, you're very comfortable and you can do, you can afford to do other things too, mm -hmm. but there's a level of, at least with me, there was a level of guilt, like getting away from some of the work because like, I'm, I'm making a lot of money now and I feel like I'm not contributing yet. I, it was a lot to get there too. So when you get to the point where you're passively taking home three or 400 mm -hmm. and not really doing anything, are you like, it's, you got to change your mindset around that too. And, and yeah, I don't really have guilt about making money. <laughs> I mean, I want to make sure that I'm putting it back into my team too, for sure. Right. But yeah. I don't have any guilt about making money. That's never been my qualm. No, I don't know. And it shouldn't be, yeah. it shouldn't be. I don't know. I don't know how I'm, I'm going to frame that because I don't know if it's guilt or if it's just the way that we were raised to think like you, you have to work for this money. I think that there is, and particularly like Toronto is like known for the rat race. Like it's celebrated to work like 12, 15 hour days, right? Like it's not, it's, it's not encouraged to work the four hour work week, right? Like we're in like this, people brag about how full their schedules are and, you know, and I, I, I definitely like, it's a hard thing for me to step away from because when we've gone through hiring issues and staffing issues, which we've faced over the last thing, I'm always the first one. Like I feel it's my obligation as the firm owner to step up and be like, okay, I'll take that on. You know, we had a girl who, uh, yeah. who, who went and left on some health issues and like, it was literally like one of the lowest level roles in the organization. And because of, we weren't, we didn't have the resource in place to replace them. And it was something that had to be done here in Canada. It couldn't be offshore. So I was like, you know what? Everyone else is overburdened. I'll take it on. 
I'll do it. It's right? the wrong way of looking at it. It's definitely the wrong way to go, right? Like, and and from that aspect of like, I feel that um, obligation, yeah, um, to step in and and to fill that void. Yeah. So that's it's a so it's part of it is delegating, right, and finding the right people to trust that they're going to make sure that that gets done mm-hmm. and that's going to happen. And it's still hard for me when people leave and I'm, I'll say, you know what, I'll just do it. They tell me not to. Mm-hmm. So I've got my management team blocking me from doing exactly what you've done. And you need, I think you need somebody to do that. You need somebody in place to shield you from getting in your own way. Cause that's yeah. what's happening. You're getting in your own way. Your ego's getting in the way too, because you think I got to do this. I'm the best person to doing it. Blah, 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 which is yeah. bullshit. Yeah, we, we all know that, but sometimes we get stuck in our own thought patterns and then we get in our way and then we look back and like, why did I just spend eight hours doing this when I could have had somebody else do it? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So then let's go into some of the media stuff that you do too, because you've, uh, again, you've been pretty active mm-hmm. in this whole world of, I don't know what we want to call it, like thought influencers, thought leaders. I, I, don't, I don't even like any of these words. But your name is always coming up, you know, in, in different places. How did that get started? Like, what was was it actually when you saw Lazanus and Josh that back that back then, or what? No, was the... it was before that, really. So I started with LinkedIn. So I, the first time I really got any sort of notoriety was I started building, and it wasn't even by any means huge. Like I got four or five thousand followers on LinkedIn, but I was using it really effectively for our business. Got noticed because it was pretty early days in the way we were using LinkedIn. So I got picked up and we have the CPA magazine up here in Canada. I got highlighted in that for, because I was, again, one of the, one of the early guys. And I mm-hmm. don't even know, remember where that was. It's probably back in like early two thousands was using LinkedIn. LinkedIn was going great. I had a client of ours who is a client friend mentor that I work with. His name's Jim Harris and he's in politics and he got me into Twitter pretty early on and you know politicians know twitter real well and he helped me grow that that base with twitter and and who would have thought that twitter would be a a platform that accountants love but you'd go down to these conferences and everyone was all over twitter and like i i remember the first quickbooks connect conference i went to i had over 14 million impressions on twitter it's like what all right and and i never really would have thought that it would become the platform that it is but i sort of embraced it you know i'm definitely the type of guy that you know i'm this walking contradiction you know i I can be shy and reserved when i'm when i'm not comfortable but but when i am comfortable i'm just really outgoing and boisterous and riding you know um hoverboards down escalators and you know making making a bit of a fool of myself and because i don't mind it because i feel safe and i feel comfortable right like i feel like i'm with my my tribe and my community and i i can i can i'm safe to Right. And that's, I think the beautiful thing of this community is it's encouraged that and it's encouraged me to post and share that content with the community. And, you know, so that led to Twitter, which then led over to Facebook, which led into Friday Night Live, because it's just been sort of following the evolution, right? Like Twitter was hot and then live video started becoming like it was back in the day it was Periscope was was really hot. And then Periscope went to Facebook Live and but Facebook Live is sort of went went to stories for half a minute but now has gone over to reels so it's just like following the evolution and seeing where the where the algorithms are going and trying yeah. to follow them yeah well and you've been pretty good at doing that for you know for starters like you got 
you're in the K's for Twitter, right? You have over 10K, 11K. Well, uh, 56K. 56K. Well, I know there was a K there. Yeah, I, didn't I, know. Got, I got a couple a couple accounts. So, like, I probably over 100 ground, 100 thousand with both accounts but like the thing is twitter's dying like uh, well we, we, we could get into that too that, that is a whole other so, conversation yeah by the time this is released twitter might be dead those numbers don't mean <laughs> so this is what i always tell people people are like oh wow you have fifty six thousand. i'm like that doesn't mean anything it's all about engagement and connection so like i could have fifty six thousand, and you could have four thousand. but if you're getting more engagement and connection with your community that's far more valuable than you know the vanity metric of fifty six thousand. that doesn't mean anything those are the vanity metrics that people talk about in their firm. We yeah. have a $10 million firm and I make $100,000. Right. And and then I've got friends who are like one man shops who are pulling in, you know, two X, three X, four X, five X when I'm pulling in. Cause they just got it. You know, the, the, the bottom line is incredible. I was talking to this one guy earlier this week, uh, Jag, and he's, he's, he's got a practice of about 10 people. So you'd think, oh, he's half the size of you. No, he's doing better than me. And he's pulling 80% margins out of that practice. I'm like, holy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the objective, not the top line. Right. Well, it's again, and that's, that's also the fulfillment that you get out of the socials and the network. Like if you can, if you have a strong community and you have deep connections and you know, people and they're, you're helping people, they're helping you and you're mm-hmm. using it for good, then you can get a lot out of the socials. If it's just about chasing some numbers, it's draining. Yeah. And I know this from experience because when I first got onto Twitter, I was like, I want to get, I want to have a following. I want to be able to use that. And then I wasn't in it for the right shared community. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. For the connection. And I just started to learn that as I went that I'm getting and same with the podcast too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm getting more out of this by making friends and meeting people than I would be for growing the audience or growing any of those things. And I think that's, that could be, once you, once you learn that, then life all of a sudden becomes easier Yeah. in everything that you're doing and, and you're comfortable and you're safe and you have less fear going into things because you're not afraid of, you know, up the worst that could happen is are you okay? Like, is, is everything okay with you? Like people are worried if, if you've messed something up and they're, they're asking what they can do to help support you. Like, yeah. you know, the support network. I'm, I'm really interested when you say like this whole walking contradiction where sometimes you're uncomfortable is now when you're in the accounting community, as long as it's an accounting thing and you're there and you know, somebody that you know is there, are you just walk into it comfortable or does it depend on, you know, whatever happened that day? Like how do you, how do you approach some of these um, events and some of this? I mean, whatever happened today can definitely put a, a, a vibe on you. Right. But when I walk into an event and I see a bunch of friends, my vibe switches, right? Like, I'm just like, boom, this is my community. This is where I want to be. So sometimes I might've had a day and I'll walk in and be like, this is exactly what I needed. Right. You know what I mean? And like have a drink or two, start getting some conversations in, catching up with people. I love it. Right. And, and like, there's nothing like, you know, last night we, we got to hang out. I went to two different parties, got to talk with people, got to hang out. So I, I didn't, I skipped the, I skipped the actual conference <laughs> just went to the social, but I got to hang out with Ryan at the social and talk to him. And he gave me like his, like the elevator pitch version of what he gave in the thing. And then I was like, yeah, this is on point. This is what like the community needs right now. Cause people is such an important aspect and we got quietly quitting and we got oh, gosh, people yeah. not actually quitting and like at exponential late rates. And so it was great to like have those conversations and, and that just like fills my bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, thriving off of other, so there's 
there's people that, that are like Ryan. So a conversation I had with him actually at ZeroCon went like this. You know, for him, he he wakes up full. His batteries are full. His energy's full. The more drain. conversations he has, the slowly it drains. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like that hourglass that we're using here. Yeah. He's he he's full, and by the end of it, all of the sand is drained in his hourglass. Yeah. People like you, people like me, we wake up and it's empty. Yeah. And the more conversations we have, and the more people we talk to, the more sand fills up in ours. So mm-hmm. we end we end with that, and then obviously it all resets the next day. Yeah. So we're but, the bottom uh, of this hourglass. He's the top. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And um, <laughs> we're, we're bottoms. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're 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 the bottom. I don't, we're not bottom feeders, but we're we're on the bottom of that. So. But, you know, and I think this whole community has started to grow and evolve as others have accepted the fact that they need to change, too, because this community has grown, continued to grow, and and it's going to continue to grow for even more years as the reality is the majority of the industry is on the other side of that curve. Yeah. So then it brings to the reason I'm here. So I'm here. FreshBooks is Mm -hmm. has been leader in the cloud for before, I mean, especially when I talk to people from Canada, it always starts with FreshBooks before zero with a lot of them when they went straight to the cloud. Yeah. FreshBooks just wasn't a full blown GL. So then they, and they stayed direct to customer, yeah. you know, you know, the FreshBooks story, but I know the FreshBooks story. Interesting story is Mike McDermott and my stepbrother. So Mike is the guy who founded FreshBooks mm-hmm. went to school together. They're, they're buddies. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I know, I know the FreshBooks story very well. I mean, Toronto's had some incredible, um, like financial technology startups. Like you yeah. got FreshBooks, you got Wave, you got HubDoc, right? Just to name a few. Like there's so many amazing Relay. tech. Yeah, Relay. Like there, there's, and then you look, you look at Shopify, which is, you know, Ontario. It's not, not Toronto, right? But like the, the, the amount of um, industry expertise and knowledge that we have in the city is, is unparalleled. And what Mike did at, in, in those early days when it came to accounts receivable was absolutely phenomenal. It was best in breed. I think where they struggled is they, they definitely weren't a full fledged GL in those early days. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and they had a bit of a glitch with some of their marketing in which they were purporting, which, you know, we've seen Intuit do the same thing, right? They Everybody's, come out, yeah. yeah, they, they come out and they have like, you know, Danny DeVito telling the world how easy it is and all the accounts are shaking their head going, no, it's not yeah. that easy, right? Well, and this is, this is what they're going through now. So FreshBooks is investing in the accountant community. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I've been here to help with the FreshBooks partner meetups and I'm using FreshBooks now. T- and their backend has grown substantially, right? Like they're a lot closer to, to a full GL system than they were in those early we days. We can learn that. I'll play yeah. my rap at the end of this and <laughs> we can learn a little bit more about it. I, I talk about it in the rap, you know, they have, they can, you can do sub accounts now you can do, you know, you got the full black balance sheet. You can mm-hmm. do journal entries. There's things that you couldn't do before that you can now, but that's that con- uh, misconception will will burn for a long time because people the first impressions never die mm-hmm. with things the reason i still don't use quickbooks online is because in the beginning it was terrible compared to zero yeah and my team they they have all this preconceived notion of what quickbooks is and i know that it's pretty much the same as zero one's blue one's green now one <laughs> might be better I, I think quickbooks might be better to a degree um and but that was just you know you're you, there's there's certain things I don't want to talk about Intuit, QuickBooks, Zero, all that. I just want to you we know. We want to support up. all 
financial technology evolution and in innovation, right? Yeah. And and here's a company that's doing a great job. We know Twyla is kicking it out of the park. What she has done on social blows anything I've ever done. The way she has created engagement and connection is phenomenal. So I know with her at the helm of this accounting community. The helm, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. That's, it's going to blow up, right? And bringing in accountants who are forward thinking and helping that brand, I know that that's going to only help that that brand catapult its success, right? And I know, like, I have a bit of insight in, into what that firm has struggled with over the years, and I know that they're making the right moves to make that platform competitive with the top three. Because there's, you know, there's not a lot of people who can really compete in that in that space right now. And we know, like, you know, Wave, which was ostensibly one of those competitors, got picked up and, and bought by... Um, H&R Block, so that's probably not going to become really a competitive suite. Sage is basically, you know, I don't know where they are, but they're following they're at, at account text. <laughs> You're all over at account text, yeah. You know, and 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 so you might have three or four players in this space, and and I think that these guys are going to be one of them. And I'd love to see a Toronto company blow it up. Well, and again, like it's it's still all about the community, and that's mm -hmm. what they've put forward and front and center of what they're trying to build is listening to what accountants want in the future. They're playing a long game. They're asking accountants what it is they want to see, what they like about the certain products out there. Mm -hmm. And they're listening. That's one thing that certain other products, they pay lip service to, mm -hmm. and they have these advisory boards and they ask questions, but really they just want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah. And they're not really listening. They're just asking certain questions and picking up what they want to hear. Now, you know what I think that is? I think that's about, where they're at in their own life cycle for their mm. product. Because I was fortunate enough to be with QuickBooks when they were like, we're behind, right? We need to catch up to zero. And they were listening. Yeah. And, and, and I was very fortunate to be on a council at a time where I would give input and I would see it actually come out in product. And, and, and there was, that's how they won me over is they, they said exactly what FreshBooks is saying to you today. They said to me, it's like, we're here to listen and we want your involvement. And like, let's face it. We love that. Right. As a, as accountants, yeah. we love the opportunity to be heard. Right. And to be able to be part of the direction of a product so that we can build the product of our dreams. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, there's nothing more rewarding than having that opportunity. So I think that's a part of where products are on their journey. Right. I think once they get to the point where they feel like, yeah, you know, we're, we're on par with zero. We don't need to listen to accountants anymore. Right. Or, or, <laughs> or we've got accountants. We, we've got this now. We've now got let's move on to the next thing. But they also, you know, and, and to, to be fair to them too, they're also now at the point where they have so much inbound communication on suggestions that it also becomes difficult for them to include everyone's feedback because there's just so many voices. Yeah. Right. In those early days, there wasn't as many voices. So it was a lot easier to like pull and absorb. Mm -hmm. Now, when you've got like, it's like you think about when you go to a party, right? If there's a party with 10 people, you can still hear most of the conversations. A party with 300 people, it just becomes noise. Oh, right. I like that. And I think that that's, that's the problem with maybe where, you know, the larger guys have evolved to is they've got so much noise that it's hard for them to filter through and it's, and, and, and hard for them to figure out also who's the right people to listen to, because sometimes those leading edge people like us aren't the right people to listen to because we're not the majority. That's how accountants feel nowadays, especially the ones that are slow, have been slower to adopt to a lot of the change. Now you've got a whole sea of apps yeah. shouting at them yeah. and you go to these conferences and account text, there's gotta be like 
50 different vendors there. And a lot of them are all doing the same thing. And if, the, if you're walking down that vendor hall, I mean, the whole conference is just one big vendor hall with four corners of speaking. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you're going to drown in all that noise? Yeah. Like you need a guide almost to tell you that's what this app does. But you know what? These four other apps do the same thing. And then this one does that. And these three other things too for you. I mean, how, how can you tell all that difference? Because when you talk to each one individually, they're all telling you the same thing. Right. And that's where all these communities, these little micro communities have sprung up. Like you got, you know, Roundtable, that's a great program for connecting with other accountants and bookkeepers. Shout out to Richard Ropa. Shout yeah. out to Richard. And, and then you've got, you know, Tanya's Bookkeeper Corner. You've got Appy Hour. You've got like all these little like small communities that are breaking up or being created within the larger community. And like, so Appy Hour is a great example of, they, they focus specifically on those apps to filter that noise, right? So they're curating content and, and helping to provide that, right? So, you know, and that doesn't have to be a formal group, right? Sometimes that's just a couple of, people that you've connected with at a conference that you're like, I just vibe with Scott and Scott and I are going to chill and be like, Hey, what do you, what do you, what are you guys running in your firm these days? Right. And that's, that's how you, that's how you filter. Cause it is noise at this point, just within the apps alone. It's the connective t- tissue outside the noise. We mm-hmm. had, I had a guest, Sandy Johns, and she used that phrase connective tissue. So you can have that connective tissue outside of the marketing and the, you know, the sponsorships and everything else. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to say sponsorships, but I still run ads on here based on, you know, based on the stuff that I like and yeah. stuff. So I'm, it's almost like I'm recommending certain software and platform because I use them. Mm-hmm. Most of all the ones that we've had sponsors is products that I use at my firm. Right. So, you know, there's, there's ways to filter the noise, but it starts with trust too. And it starts with that community and building those different little satellites of, of people connecting with each other and bonding over a shared interest of their profession and life like you know once you once you go to these conferences you start talking to people you realize they're very similar to to you right like a lot of us the more conversations i have the more i hear about people's journeys i find so many people that are similar not just to me but like to the other person i talk to these two people would be great friends and you start connecting other people too because they would get along so well because they're they're basically the same person living in different parts of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the same part of their journey. And now one's a little bit further up on the escalator than the other. And they're, you know, they could get like, so I think you're, you're probably one of those people too, where you know a lot of people, so you can start connecting and you can be one of those connectors Mm -hmm. of, of people. Cause some people, you know, a lot of accountants they're they say they're introverted and they don't yeah. like, they can't put themselves out there because that of that fear, yeah. that same fear that we have when we go into a room and nobody knows us. If you put me in a different venue in a different place where I know nobody, I'm in my shell and yeah. I, don't, I can't talk to anybody because I'm afraid of what I'm going to say and how I'm going to come across and yeah. think about too many things. So I think I'm, I can relate to that in so many ways. So what's the, what's kind of, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because we've got a we got an appointment that we, we need to make. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're good. I think we, we got to a good part of this conversation. We're, I think we're gonna have to. We, we need a part two to this. Yeah, I think this is. We really just kind of got toward the peak of the mountain. We're still we're still on Mount Stupid here. We yeah, we're get, taking another 420 break. Yeah, this is another. <laughs> Consider this a break. pause. Yeah, we'll pause. We'll, we'll we'll resume this again later. I'll um. I'll close this out with a little with a little intermission track that we're gonna play. This is so fresh, so easy by a little toddler. And um, 
for those of you that don't know, now you know, little toddler's me. I think everybody knows that by now. So, so fresh, so easy. Shout out to Outcast. So clean, clean. And dope. Part one. 